waiting, I'm waiting. Might start complaining. This quarter life crisis is not entertaining to me. to Holy Commutes for Monday, October 23rd, 2023. This is uh, Paul and Tim Cook with you for our second and final Monday episode of the October season, this abbreviated October season. We're going to kind of pick up where we left off uh, last show, or not where we left off, but with the same subject matter, that being uh, United Wiffle Ball, um, both the 2020, today we'll talk about uh, the 2023 tournament kind of wrap a bow on that on the team discussion we also kind of want to look at um you know we talked a lot last show we'll talk again this show about um you know some teams that played well at the tournament just you know teams that are good stories or whatever so we kind of want to use that then to jump into a little discussion on possible fast pitch fast pitch and i guess maybe just overall teams of the year um for 2023 and then we want to take a look at um the updated cumulative um, numbers and statistics data of uh, uh, U.S. participants. You know, we're four years in now. One of the cool things is we start to build up that track record. So we have four years of, uh, uh, of data, four years of teams that have participated for it, and we'll kind of walk through, um, you know, um, some interesting some interesting cumulative U.S. numbers uh, from these past four years. So First, just to begin, uh, I guess, you know, just, just to tie a bow, Tim, on the, you know, the, the team talk from last time, I, I think, you know, one thing we kept talking about on our last show a week ago um, was how you could really go 40 through one in the um, um, the World Championship tournaments. Um, you know, it, you could do the same thing if you added on the nine um, U17 teams in the MLW Invitational. You could go 49 through one. And each team probably had an interesting story and like, um, you know, putting together the final standings uh, just a little while ago, um, you know, like that really is true. Like e- e- even looking at the, like we had five and three teams, right? Like we always do. So it's Bay City, Wiffle, Border City, Bombers, Governors, Long Balls and Team Puerto Rico. You know, even there, like, you know, I don't think Long Balls had much of a story. You know, they were really, really shorthanded pitching um, wise. They really just had John Polanco and then 
Doc Barr, who hasn't thrown, you know, competitively in a little while. Um, so maybe not there, maybe not the governor. So the governors are kind of interesting to me just because, you know, uh, Ethan Weiner's always interesting. And um, that was just kind of an interesting team, and, you know, but they went 0 3. But then you got, you know, the two, you have the two international teams and at Team Puerto Rico. Like, yeah, I, I do think if they start playing wiffle ball, like they're going to pitch against Black Dog Country Club. Like he had just sort of, I don't think he had any idea what he was doing. But he was kind of getting like just some natural kind of dipping movement on his pitches and stuff. Like, if, you know, I know they were really, really excited. If they're back, like, I think they're going to take to it. Border City almost, you know, one of their guys finished top 12 in the home run derby. They almost beat the Vortex to advance to the comeback round. There's interesting stuff there. Bay City went 0 3, but like, that's a team that stay, if they stay together and they play, you know, a little bit more regularly in this style, you know, not a ton, just, you know, a tournament or two a year prior to um, the world championships, they were a team that I, I still believe could be like a future champion. Um, you know, then you just, you go up the list of all the teams that, you know, won a game, everyone else won a game. I think one of the things that's, I, I know I'm talking a lot here, so I'll stop in a second, Tim, so you can get in, but um, I think the most interesting, one of the most interesting things to me, putting together the final standings, and this will be up on the website, if not by the time you listen to this, hopefully soon thereafter, um, something we didn't touch on last week is just kind of like the parody um, where, you know, this format's designed. So it is tougher that, you know, we want every game to matter and it's not perfect in that regard. Just formats we could do that would be more fair in that regard, but yeah. Um, but, but it, but it's, but it's pretty fair. It gives you a two game penalty if you start one and two. But for the first time ever, we saw all four teams that came back that came through that comeback round. All four of them won their final twenty-four game, and then two, so that's TC thirty-five, um, Cajuns, Canes, and Stompers. All four of those teams won their final twenty-four game. The Stompers and Canes also won their final sixteen game and ended up in the final eight. Eight. So that's the first time that happened. So you know, there's good and bad to that. It shows you the parity involved. That hey, these teams just got sort of unlucky early on and then, you know, beat the teams after him. It's also, it's not great because it's, you know, it, it kind of, it, it maybe indicates that, Hey, maybe it's kind of easy to come back now. But um, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Like I, I think the whole, I don't know. I don't have one to pick out, but I, I think you made the, you know, the best point, it, you know, all 40 teams, you know, for the most part had their own storylines. And in, in the past, you know, maybe it was just like a new player that was the big thing for like a team that for the all the teams that went, you know, 500 or below. And, and I'm I'm saying like, you know, in the past, I mean, like the history of, you know, wiffle ball in terms of, you know, how people view storylines. And like when you're trying to sell a when you're trying to sell something like this to the main, you know, to a more mainstream audience or just, or just make it more friendly for the fans that you already have. It's a lot easier when you're able to tell these smaller little stories. Like, you know, I would not like the North stars last year went zero and three, and then, you know, they started two and zero this year. You know, I think on the last podcast, I said, you know, you could, you could see that coming. I can see that almost being the case for Bay city next year. Only I could see them, you know, rolling, you know, even further. And like, that's where like you are able to, tie everything together and make it, you know, a, a, like a larger overall picture. This isn't just about, 
you know, at, at the end of the day, this isn't just about the teams that made the final four. This is an event that really is, you know, and and this year specifically is about every team being able to bring something to the table. Yep, no, I agree on all that. I, I think the proof um, is in the fact that, yeah, uh, so many teams come back year after year. When we get to the cumulative stats in a second, you'll see how many teams have played in this tournament at least twice and how many have played in four tournaments. Um, you know, it is, that's what it should be, right? Like both the whole season and the season capping tournament should both be the same way where, Hey, it's not like it shouldn't be one or bust. And for so many years, I think that was the case. Um, you know, and, and I think that's natural. Like, I think that's a way, like in a lot of sports, right? Like it's, you know, again, you know, we're disappointed We're we're Orioles fans who are disappointed that, you know, after winning 101 games, we went 0 and 3 in the ALDS. Um, and, you know, you, we, you know, have to, we've had to, um, avoid and or read a lot of, you know, idiotic comments over the past couple of weeks, basically, you know, from disappo- other disappointed Oriole fans who aren't processing it correctly, acting <laughs> like the whole season was a failure. It's like, it's not, um, you know, and, it, it's tough to it, it, it's really really tough to win a world series in baseball especially you know baseball that's, that is a whole long grind thing and then it becomes a small tournament in the postseason it becomes a totally different game um you know so you take away things you know from that it's and it's the same thing in wiffle ball it's like you know um i was using stoppers like as an example it's like you know in MAW, they didn't end the season the way they wanted to, but they still had a good season. And then they finished top eight in the world championship. And I know, you know, they're disappointed with that. I think they could have gone further, but it's like you, that's really tough to do. Like, you know, I was talking with the waves a lot at the world championship tournament. And, you know, you know, it's, it's tough to, I can never tell if Steve Keon's being serious with me or not, but uh, uh, it's not enough. You know, some of this is tongue in cheek, but like, you know, they were talking a lot about, cause I mentioned a lot about how they're one of the, one of the select number of teams that um, have gone 500 or better in all of the world championship tour, all the UF tournaments. And they did that again this year, they went two and two. And it's like, this is, I, you know, this isn't condescending. This isn't patronizing. It's like, that's an achievement going two and two every single year before years is an achievement finishing over 500 in any of these tournaments with the amount of talent that's out there. That is an achievement. And, you know, it's the same thing like for the season. And we're going to get into a second about, you know, um, some of the notable, you know, full season teams from this year, you know, and who, who would be team of the year and stuff. Um, you know, even if you don't win your league title, you don't win your, you know, win whatever, um, all that other stuff matters and it shouldn't be winner boss. I know that's the, the sportsman team sports mentality is always winner boss, but it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. And I, I think like, you know, in the past and it, not that this won't happen again, you know, eventually, you know, just because when you have new people playing, you know, there's, there's a better chance of it, but like in the past, there's been a lot of one-off teams that have, you know, won this whole thing and have come, not out of nowhere necessarily, but, you know, have come in, dominated one, and then, you know, either are gone because of, uh, you know, I, I don't know, a multitude of reasons. And like, you know, I think what you see now is, you know, if you're, if you're not playing, you know, regularly, you're at a disadvantage. So, 
regardless, you know, because like, it, it, and this this also goes back to like, you, you know, you gave the Major League Baseball explanation. I'll give the college basketball. To me, we're West Virginia fans. Big 12 is the best basketball conference or the hardest conf- basketball conference, you know, in college basketball. That is a nightmare to get through, especially when you're having to fly, you know, the farthest to get to the games, you know, every week, you know, prior to the expansion. So if you do well in conference, that's an achievement in and of itself. But if you don't advance in the tournament and you don't go far, you don't win, people look at it as, you know, as, oh, well, that, you know, that doesn't, that nullifies any, you know, any other good thing. And yeah, that's just, that that's just crazy. And like, you know, I think for, for anything that you're looking at in any sport and really in, in life, you're looking at the overall body of work. Mm-hmm. That's what you want to see. You know, like when you're at your job, you're being, you know, fairly or unfairly, you're being, you know, you should be judged on your, you know, your whole, everything that you're bringing to the right. table. And, you know, sometimes I think that gets, you know, has, well, I mean, not think, I, I know that's been lost in the past. Um, and it's exciting for me to see that that's not the case anymore. Agreed. And like, um, that's a good transition into, you know, uh, the team of the year uh, talk we, we, we want to do. Um, you know, one of the things we talked about this last week is just with the eligibility now is, you know, every single team in this tournament at least played you know, it's something before. So, um, or I, I guess I, something before it's already the year. Ironically enough, I, I, I think, I think the only team that didn't were the champions, usual suspects, but they got in, um, you know, by being top four the year before. And again, those guys have played together for years and years. Um, but you, uh, yeah, you, you, you have that now, but like, let, let's start, let's, let's talk a little here. So like, I guess let's let's first kind of define what you know. I think we kind of talked about some of the stuff here, but like what both of us kind of you know look at when you're talking about best team of the year. And, I, and we're not going to like pick a best team of the year. I just want to kind of like go through a, a few teams, but like um, you know, you don't have to get specific between fast pitch and not fast pitch because you can look at it in totality. We will look at it in totality because I think one team sticks out when you look at it in totality, and then you can also look at it as, as fast pitch on its own. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think a couple of things are just obvious, right? It's, um, you know, playing a lot and winning a lot. It, it's it, it's basically kind of like this the same drop one hundred criteria. It's yeah, you know, winning a lot and playing a lot. It's the competition you're playing against, and it's the different places you're playing in. Um, and I think what's interesting to me is I don't think there's one team that has like all four of those things this year. No, not not this year. Yeah. Um. But is there anything to add to like what you kind of look for when you're talking about like best teams of the year? You know, no, that would that would be the the four. And I mean, again, it all that goes back, yeah, just a body total body of work. You know, I think that's total body the, of work, yeah, that's the most important. Uh, you know, if I don't think the Diamondbacks are going to win the World Series this year, but if they did, they're not the team Correct. of the year. Uh, you know, that's just not you know, not, and that's no offense to them. That's no, no offense. just. That's just, you know, like you when you get in at 84 wins, you know, yeah. So I, I, that criteria is what I would use. Yeah, it's two different. And I, I'm glad you said that because it's two different things and it doesn't make any, it doesn't 
mean that the Diamondbacks winning, if they win the World Series, that that's not really, really impressive and that they shouldn't be proud of that. And that, like, that's not something that should be celebrated. Just like, you know, I'll use the usual suspects as you know, thing. They, they're probably not a team of the year contender because they didn't play this year besides the national world championship and winning the world championship is completely, completely impressive. And, you know, everyone individually can decide whether it's as impressive as, you know, a a team that just using your Diamondbacks example, everyone can decide for themselves whether they think the Diamondbacks winning the world series is more impressive than a team winning a hundred games and making it to, well, no team that won a hundred games made it to the, championship series like everyone can kind of decide for themselves like it's it's all these impressive achievements and like one doesn't need to overshadow the other they're just different things um so let's start here this i'm gonna kind of start at this top like so if we were talking if if we're um oh i guess the other thing i'm I'm gonna say is that we'll be we'll be kind of liberal i guess with some of these team definitions we'll kind of use like the United Wiffle definition with like three out of five players. Like I don't care about your team name as long as like it's just, as long as you have you know, your your three man core and you played in multiple places and you know that's yeah. fine. But um, so I think if you're looking at it overall, I think with Inc has to be the team of the year. Yeah. Um, they won Golden Stick regular season New York, and you know um, without any offense attended to you know uh, Vermont um slash New England um. Golden Stick Yard, you know, that winning New York is winning the regular season. Then they also won the Open. That's very hard to do, especially a medium pitch to kind of, yeah, I mean, I say that it's hard to dominate the medium pitch. I mean, and I know enemy, the enemy has dom- dominated Golden Stick, but like it, it is hard. It's just, it, there's, there's a lot more randomness and for them to be just really impressive. Then they finished second in MAW regular season. Had they not missed what three tournaments or two tournaments, two or three? three. Yeah, I think three. Uh, yeah, yeah, three. I mean, I think they pretty easily would have won the regular season. Um, you know, had a tough go at it, a short sample size in the Mid Atlantic Championship tournament, finished top four at United Wiffle. I mean, that's team of the year. that's franchise of the year, and and it, it was. I'm sorry, this is one more thing before I turn it over to you. It, it was pretty much the same roster. Um, um. You know, they had again using the United with with full uh, eligibility rules. You know, Styles, Kenny Jr., and Didio were on the yard team, were on the UF team, were on the MAW team. That was, you know, the same, the same team. Yeah, w- without a doubt. And, um, like that's something that I think, of, you know, like if we had, if we had like mainstream, you know, press covering, uh, covering this sport you know i i think some of them would have trouble coming to that you know conclusion potentially but like again so steady and you know i'm i don't i'm i'll i'll leave the yard side out of this but like it's it's a gauntlet the maw regular season like it's it's not it's it's you know we we have teams that go you know oh and three or one and two who, you know, the next time they're in the final four because there's no games off. Like it's, that is extremely tough to do. I mean, it's why so much of the 2021, 2022 juggernauts was so impressive. Yeah. You know, United Whiffle winning that, you know, like I said, like we said, it, it is super impressive, but to also to do it in the regular season over the course of five months versus, you know, two days, it's just a different beast. And, um, 
yeah, those guys are, you know, rock steady. I know, you know, the MAW championship didn't end the way they wanted. United Wiffle didn't end the way they wanted, but there's no, you know, there's, there's no sign that with ink is going away anytime soon. And, you know, it probably is just going to continue to get better. Yeah. And I mean, I think they're a team that's probably going to, I think they wanted to add a fifth this year and it just, it never came together for them. And uh, a fifth for United Wiffle. And I, you know, so I think they made the right decision going with their core, but you know, they're a team that's going to be an attractive landing spot for some team. Um, and they'll land a good fifth and they're, you know, they're not going away. They got two, um, you know, youngish pitchers and styles and whitener that are, you know, among the best and, you know, Kenny, Kenny Jr. is going to be a great hitter for as long as he wants to be. And Diddy, Diddy had a really good under the radar season everywhere. Um, so I agree with that. I think they're the overall team of the and, year. Yeah. And I'll just throw this out. Like, you know, and I'm, this isn't, I'm not looking, this is, I'm not looking for an answer here, but you know, more of a, what if, you know, what if Ty plays with them in United Wiffle this year? Does that, does that give them, you know, that I, I don't think, I think it does, you know, give them subjectively or uh, no, objectively another pitcher who they're able to stay off of Styles and Whitener for at least one more game, if not, you know, two more games. And that's just an interesting thing to think about since he was, you know, he was an integral part of their regular season, you know, accomplishments. Oh, yeah. And, and I think sometimes those like theoretical questions are hard to answer. I think it's like maybe a little bit easier here. So like they they got two games out of Didio in the prelims. And, you know, if you're saying everything else is equal and they still get the same schedule and they're still able to get those two games out of Didio then instead of going to white during that third game, they're going to tie in that third game. And then they only played one game on Saturday night. And, you know, there's no, I can't remember who they played. Um, I can bring it up in a second while we're talking. Maybe I can't, but um, I don't know where my phone is. Um, but, you know, tie in the second game, you know, should have been, you know, I, I, yeah, I can't remember who their opponent was, but like I, I think you know he would easily he would have been able to handle them. Then you're because if you think about like where they got tripped up on or how they lost and so they didn't get tripped up. It was just good team speed. Um, they played they played well, but like Styles had to handle all that load. Think if they go into Sunday with both Styles and Whitener, you know, fresh after after Styles has that tough game against the Stompers where he's got to throw what that was six or seven innings. Yeah, he threw a ton of had to throw a ton of pitches and high like, effort. He was having to throw, yeah, max max effort, you know, almost every pitch. Yeah, to, to pull out that two one extra inning, you know, walk off win after he pitches that instead of having to send him back out there against the juggernauts. Now you're sending out a fresh whitener. So like, yeah. I think objectively, you just don't know how it's going to turn out. The juggernauts could be a fresh whitener, like that could happen. But yeah, like this will put him in much best better position to succeed. So yeah, they're they're a scary team. Yeah. Um, is so real quick here because we probably already spent too much time. Um, I'm just going to throw out a bunch of teams that I think sort of you know deserve to be in that mix. Specifically, looking at fast pitch, um, the Skull Crushers, uh, top four finish. They only played in two tournaments as a team. Um, I think you can use. I think you can use one of the CCW teams. I think had Dudas Jones, and I think 
witty on it. I, I think one of their CCW teams had three of their five. So in theory, you could throw them into. Uh, I'm not. I haven't looked. I didn't. I don't know what they did. This like, I can't speak on that. But if you just look at their national thing as the Skull Crushers, top four in NWA tournament, top sixteen again here. Um, they had a, You know, they beat Bose Fresh, who's you know Bose is probably for my money the pitcher of the year this year. They beat him fresh, you know, then they had to face a fresh Jordan Saturday night. They had, you know, you could easily could see a slightly different path for them where they make the final eight and it's not even, um, it's not even, a, you know, that much of a challenge. So they're up there just, you know, getting really good at two national tournaments. They, they, they also, they also had, uh, MAW opening day too. Oh yeah. Very good and point. they ran into the juggernauts in what the final eight? Eight final eight, yep. Yeah. So and that uh, tournament... with ink, with ink in the final eight. With ink in the final eight. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Style Ty hit the home run and yeah, Styles pitch. Um and so you know, and that tournament was a, that, that was a gauntlet too. So like, yeah, so that's yeah, that they're uh, easily in the that conversation. Yeah, no, I appreciate you mentioning I, I April seems so long ago, I forgot. Um, and then so speaking of TC 35, also, you know, finished top 16 MAW opening day, you know, was, uh, I think they won a little less, um, in Texas this year than they had in prior years. Um, but you know, we're still always a contender in both the medium and fast pitch tournaments. You gonna say something? Yeah. And they were, weren't they dealing with like a little bit of nagging injuries this year? Yeah. Chase Oliver's arm apparently wasn't, um, his, uh, his his normally rubber arm, you know, uh, hit a wall. So hopefully he's back healthy next year. But um, you know, number top sixteen finish at the uh, world championship. They were one of those teams that came out of the um, comeback survivor rounds and ended up five and three with a top sixteen finish. So they're up there. Um, you got to put Las Vegas up there. They won yep. the MAW opening day tournament, which. Um, at the very least was the top three fast pitch tournament of the year, you know, in terms of competition level, if not two, um, they won that they finished second at, the, or no, I'm sorry, they finished um, top four at another MAW tournament, um, finished top eight at United Wiffle. So they're definitely up there. Um, the Kaggers are up there. Um, they, you know, won the NWA tournament had a, I think an under the radar, nice tournament at United with ball. They went two and three, but they really had a tough schedule. Like every game was at least like a coin flip for them. Um, and you know, they went two and three, they didn't have Grant Miller. Again, that's one of these. Hypothetical- well, that's, yeah. That's a what if. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they had, you know, like, you know, game two, they played the stompers and they beat them stompers eventually got to the final eight and were, you know, one run away from, you know, a final four, you know, so two and three, that doesn't tell the story. No, it, it really doesn't at all. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot of people have a similar story in, in that tournament where they, they beat a team earlier in the day. And then that team ends up having more of a run. And that's, again, that's just these, what, that's what these small sample sizes are about. It's just kind of getting the teams at the right time, but like they had a good, um, they had a good two tournament national tournament season. Again, if they have grants, who knows? Um, says so many of their games were coin flips. I kind of feel like they get over the hump there and they're, you know, and they finish even better, but still a good year for them. Um, 
one team I want to mention that because I I kind of just like did this United Wiffle way, but like one team I want to mention is uh, is Ridley Park is the long ball. So like you know if you're looking at franchises, the long balls, um, you know who are the main team for them during the season and finished. Uh, um, they finished what third in NWA tournament. They finished second in MAW. Then, let's see, I guess they're, yeah. So and then, and then they kind of all break up to be you know different teams. That, and so the long balls under the long balls moniker is a real stripped down version at the uh, at United Wiffle. But you know, Bose played on Ridley Park and Sean played on Ridley Park. So two of the regular season long balls, and then you know, Teddy and Cam who were part of NWA tournament long balls and Zane, you know, were on that team as well. Um, so. I would still kind. Of, I, I I think they're still in the mix just based on NWA tournament and MAW, right? Oh, 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 easily, easily. And like, I'd love to, uh, you know, again, another theoretical. What if they ran that their yeah. MAW team? Um, because there's no doubt when you add Teddy and Cam that you know you're not you're 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 adding you know excellent talent, but like you're also that that long balls team all year in MAW was you know, when they had their full squad, but even when they didn't have their full squad, they were there grinding away for points and, you know, making it tough on, you know, tough on every team that was playing them. Um, And this was, you know, this kind of feels like a breakout year. This doesn't, and this doesn't, I I feel like this is going to carry over, um, you know, into, into next season. Yep, I agree. That 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 is another good what if because like Nate ended up not playing anyway. So like, um, I know, but that, I could stay at six guys in the roster. So like, if it was Dylan, Bose, Sean, Colin, oh, and Frankie. I, I was gonna say like if they if they opened up a fifth spot, they put you know either Teddy or Cam, you know, onto that onto that long balls team. Yeah, like that'd be really interesting because Teddy and Cam didn't pitch. Sean pitched the three prelim anyway, so if that still plays out as it is, you have the, you know, you have a little more hitting with Frankie. Um, yeah, that would have been interesting, but um, yep. they definitely deserve a shout out, even if you with can't um, count for them because it wasn't the same teams. Um, and then the last two to mention are, and this is kind of where this still gets tricky, but like if you put Phenoms and Earl as one team, um, you know, they're certainly in there. I think probably separately, Separately, Earl, I think, has, you know, a little bit of a talk. Phenoms is a little tougher because they, they they play in some ECW tournaments and whatever. Um, you know, then never top four finish, but they're definitely sort of up there. And then, of course, the Juggernauts um, won the MAW regular season again. Um, you know, disappointing semifinal exit to Mid-Atlantic Championship tournament, but then made, you know, United Wiffle Championship for the third year in a row. 40 team fields three years in a row. I don't think that's ever happened unless because I don't think Cincinnati had 40 team fields all three years. Not um, not in the one division. Yeah, I'm almost yeah. positive they didn't. Um so that's never yeah, happened. I mean yeah, 90 97 was only like 21 or 22, right. definitely in that division. And the other ones, I I, I don't think I I think mid thirties was where they may have topped out. I think so too. But that, that's a bit of a white whale for me figuring that stuff out. But like we talked a lot about small sample size here, just how, you know, in these like tournaments and how that can sort of, you know, wreak havoc. Um, 
you know, you know, like in the major league baseball postseason too, um, to be able to neutralize that luck factor and that just sort of randomosity factor three years in a row in these huge fields, you know, and they've had tough draws at times and they've had tough draw, you know, in prelim or they've had tough draws in the single elimination and they just kind of buzz through that. Um, you know, they got to be up there. Yep. I, I, those were, those were all the teams that, um, and, and then I, you know, I would, and then usual suspects, you know, too, because even though they only oh, yeah. played one tournament, they won, they won the most competitive, biggest, fast pitch tournament of the year. So again, all that's personal preference on whether you look at full picture or you just say, Hey, this one tournament matters more than anything. Um, you know, people are free yep. to, um, look at it any way they, they want to. Um, so yeah, I think those are kind of your, your big contenders. All right. That's your favorite part, Tim, uh, these cumulative and records and stats. So this is up on the website. Um, or will be, you know, you will see this on the way. I don't know if, I don't know how many people notice, but if you go to like the history part of the United Wolf football website, you go to the main history tab and you scroll down like past the, um, the first stuff, which kind of just links you to the, the prior year recaps and all that stuff. There's a table and it's, um, uh, there's like a, yeah, like an Excel table down a little bit below that, um, I think we put up sometime last year during the off season that showed, you know, the prior three years of cumulative records for any team that played uh, in two tournaments or more, more that's been updated for this year. So I want to kind of walk through like some of the more interesting things. So first of all, there's 38 teams that have played in two or more United Wiffle Ball tournaments. And I think how we've defined a team is the same franchise name generally, you know, like there are exceptions like the other canines, change from K9 to K2 and it's like that's the same team that's the same thing the cheese balls have played as the cheese balls two years then they played as the blue balls this year but it's the same Greg Myers captain team it was the same idea so like that goes under but everything else follows you know um, franchise name so 38 which is interesting to me because let's see there would be we had 120 164 available spots 38 um so I think this tells you a couple things. So there's only 38 teams that have played out of the 164 slots that have been available over these four years. Um, there's only 38 of 164 have played in two or more. So that's a, that's about 25%. It's 23%, a little less. Um, but like, that's kind of interesting to me, and I, I'd have to think about it more. But like I, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think like you're getting... I'd maybe like to see that a little bit higher, maybe like 33%. But I'm almost thinking like it's a good thing that you have like, you have all these teams cycling in and cycling out, you know, that other 75%, but you also still have your core that's always there. Um, and some of this is semantics because like there's been like, you know, like way too beautiful in the Yaks are kind of, you know, kind of like the same team. There's been other stuff like that. But any thoughts on that? That like 25% of the available spots um, have been teams that have played twice or more. And the others have all been one off. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if you want to look at it from like a business perspective or like a marketing perspective, um, you know, it's much easier to always retain a customer than to go find a new customer. I mean, that's, that's honestly been Wiffle Ball's big issue. And, you know, it still kind of is an issue, you know, even today is, okay, well, we've got the core, the core base is built and it's built you know really 25 yeah and you know 
you can rely on that base to not only be there, but to, you know, be, you know, super competitive when, you know, let's see when 18 of the 38, so what 19 would be half. So just, so just, I mean, just a tiny bit under 50%. That's good. Are, you know, are 500 or above, you know, in from 2020 to 2023, that's, you know, really impressive. And, um, and yeah, it, it also like, it, it just speaks to, yeah, just like, you know, people's, people's passion and also like, you know, like, you know, it, it this game is hard. So if you're expecting to just come in and, you know, run the table, you know, 99.5% of the time, you're going to be, you know, in for a rude awakening if that's your true expectation. So, you know, I think that's a, I think it's a good thing. Um, you know, I, I mean, I think it's a really good thing, actually. Yeah, no, I, I do too. And you could convince me a little bit more there too. Um, uh, so yeah, and, and I, you mentioned, so like Tim just said, 18 out of the, out of those, out of those 38 teams that have played in two or more, um, 18 out of the 38 or 500 or better. Um, that's up from 13 out of, I think, 36 um, prior to this tournament. So five teams that weren't 500 cumulative going into this t- tournament um, now are. Two of those teams weren't on the prior list um, because they had only played in one tournament. So it was TC35 and the Cajuns. Cages were below 500 last year, so they wouldn't have been on it. TC35 went four and one last year and only had the one tournament. Both of those teams are now over 500. TC35's got an eight and four career record. So, uh, you know, they've won two thirds of their games. Cajuns are right at 500. They went four and three this year, made the final 16 after going two and three last year. And also the New School Risers, who are New School Risers are way too beautiful, are now at right at 500 for their uh in four UF tournaments or three for the risers four for way too beautiful way too beautiful is 10 and 10 risers are eight and eight both teams made the final 16 this year and the stompers also joined the 500 club they're now at 526 with a 10 and nine record after going five and three this year um i mentioned this earlier but yeah will waves uh 529 winning percentage nine and eight um i had i didn't add this up but um I think like I think it's just to see juggernauts. Well, I can just see here pretty much. Um I think juggernauts, usual suspects, phenoms, black dog, New York meets with ink, and C4 um have all gone five hundred or better. Oh, and six oh three. Um have played in all four UF tournaments and gone five hundred or better. And the only other team on that list is the Waves, you know, um, who just, you know, get perpetually overlooked, but they 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 find a way to win at that tournament every time and they're a good team and they know how to grind these out. Um, so uh I know I mentioned that a lot, but I want to mention that because that's one of my um that's one of my favorite, you know, stats when you look at the cumulative numbers. Um in terms of like overall records, so juggernauts, as you would expect, kinda dominate that they have the most wins at 21 that's one more than the usual suspects at 20 they have the fewest amount of losses or tied for the fewest amount of losses in two or more tournaments with four tc35 also has four but that's an over only two tournaments 
uh, juggernauts that are over four. So um, that's, you know, counting stat really doesn't work there. Um, they have the best winning percentage at 840. Again, just eclipsing usual suspects who have an 800 winning percentage with a 20 and five record. They're the only team to make three uh, finals. Uh, usual suspects have made two. And then the meets, Black Dog and Phenoms have each made one apiece. They're tied with the suspects with top four finishes with three. They're tied with several teams. Um, those ones I just met. They're tied with several teams for top eight finishes at three. So it's juggernauts, suspects, phenoms, and meets all have three top eight finishes. Um, and then there's a, so the, the only the only the only category that juggernauts aren't on top of they are cumulative is top sixteen finishes. They did not make the top sixteen in 2020, so they only have three. So it's suspects, phenoms, black dog did not make the top 16 this year. So they uh, fell out of there. Um, but uh, phenoms, juggernauts, I mean, sorry, suspects, phenoms, meets with ink and two other teams. Um, C4 and 603 have all made the final 16 every single year. So like, I, I just think this kind of stuff is cool, Tim. Like when you kind of start to build up that history and kind of look at it and a project I want to do over the summer is kind of go further over the over the winter, over the off season, kind of go further back pre UF era and start adding those in for the current franchises as well and see how that stacks out. But uh, uh, it's cool to see that history build and see these teams, see how a couple, a couple big takeaways of parity. Like you said, almost 50% of the teams that have played two or more tournaments have an over 500 record. Um, you know, it could kind of see teams kind of establish themselves. Ridley Park is in that top, is that over in over that 500. Um, you know, you have these teams that are really now kind of becoming you with staples. I mean, we're four years in, four years is a long time. It's, it's, you know, I, I hope these teams can look back at this, you know, look at these kind of stats and be like, wow, like this is, you know, yeah, this is a little, this is not a small sample size anymore. If you're one of those teams that are over 500 during this, this time, like that's really cool and something you should be really, really proud of. Yeah, and there's always little um, little particularities like you know, New School Risers didn't play as a as that team in 2020, but they played as they played. Pat played on um, Swayno, and Jerry oh, played right. on the Yaks and Kristen. Um, you know, Stompers in 2020, they didn't play in 2020. 2021 was a team that was just like Sean and Nate. You know, without and, and why and why so like you know without anything um you know so there's always going to be those little things like you know i imagine if the whippets played this year which is their first time not playing you know they would have at least added a six you know a final 16 finish mm -hmm. um so yeah it, it's it, it's neat to look over that and like you like you said yeah this as we head into year five four full 40 plus team tournaments isn't a small sample anymore. So yeah, if you've, if you've, if you're over, if you're at 500 or over, that's a heck of an accomplishment. Totally agree. And, and, and one other thing I want to say to that end is we also uh, of teams that have played or two into a more tournaments, there's no longer any winless teams. Um, You know, so if you look at this table, every, Every team on this table has at least a win in the UF tournament, old line. And North Stars won their first tournament 
I mean, won their first games uh, this year. Old Line won their first game uh, in their fourth tournament. North Stars won their first game and then a second game, like you said earlier, Tim, to go 2-0 and after competing in two tournaments. And then the Horsemen, the Maryland Horsemen, joined the um, joined the list this year because last year was their first tournament, and they went 0-3, and, and they went 1-3 here. So like, I also think that's really cool that um, – you put the work in, you're going to get there. Um, you know, the juggernauts talk about that all the time. And I think that's spread to a lot of other teams. And it's cool seeing these teams not be discouraged of, Hey, I went, Oh, and three, my first time, or I went, Oh, and three, I went, Oh, and six, my first two times, or I went, Oh, and nine, my first three times, we're going to, you know, keep coming out here and doing it. And those, you know, those old, you know, old line and, you know, old line deserves a lot of credit for that. The North Stars who have to travel a long distance for this deserve like they they knew last year they shouldn't have gone 0 and three and they came out and they showed everyone that this year and the horsemen keep getting better. It's great seeing that. I hope some of the teams that went 0 and three this year, your base cities or whatever, um, look at the skull crushers. They went 0 and three their first year, and now they've they're what in the next two years, they're um seven and three. You know, so like in two tops, in, uh, top eight and a top 16 fit. Yeah. So like, you know, this tournament's not easy. Wiffle ball's not easy. You know, keep playing. Yep, totally. And like, that's, that's the thing, like the people who, and that's why I said earlier, like, you know, getting the repeat people to keep coming back, you know, that, that's, that's what drives it. Like, you know, yes, it, you know, the, the, having the top teams, you know, at, major tournaments of course is what you want but those tournaments also don't mean as much if you don't have your yeah other regulars who play all year who you know love the game who are getting better like i mean like that's that's with every team on this list having having a win you know that you can objectively say that everyone's on a forward path up yeah and um and that's impressive as well. Yeah. And this is, I, I know we're way over, but this is on you because I, I was ready to end it, but you brought up too good of a point there to just kind of um, bring up great points. Yeah. You always do. But uh, to just, to just, you know, not go a little more in depth on it, it's like, yeah, you know, we've talked about this before, whether it's MAW, whether it's, you know, other, whether it's NWA tournaments or other tournaments we're at or United Wiffle, where it really is that middle of the pack that makes or breaks a tournament. One of the reasons I think in the past there's been trouble retaining teams is you've had that that top that's really good and they're going to be there all the time and there's a really small middle and then you're trying to supplement them with the bottom teams but those bottom teams come in and they get killed right away and they don't come back and then you know they're you one can and never, yeah you can never really grow there is such a solid I, again I don't mean I hope this doesn't come off like condescending, but like a, such a solid, like good middle ground of teams out there. And they really are, right now, they really are the lifeblood of the sport. Because when you go to a United Wiffle tournament, you go to an NWA tournament, you go to a mid Atlantic tournament, you're going to be pressed every single game. And, you know, your new school risers or your, you know, your dragons or your, your waves, you know, may not be contenders at any of those tournaments on a regular basis, but they're going to make, they're going to press you every single game. So it's not the situation where you're going to this tournament. The top teams are rolling over the bad teams early on. It doesn't really matter. Pool play doesn't matter. And then you're just getting down to the the final eight and you know, the final four and it's the good teams and all the other teams are just kind of out of there. You're being pressed every single game. And I think, 
I think it was really cool for us to see because it definitely wasn't this way when we were coming up. And I don't think it's just this way a lot. It's like, I think it's appreciated from both ends. I think the top teams really appreciate having that middle ground because they really are competitors. They want to be pushed and they want to beat the best. And they want to know that every win matters and they're not wasting their bullets, you know, pitching wise on games that don't matter. And the bottom appreciates that because they have these middle teams that they can kind of aspire to and they can kind of, you know, test themselves up against instead of just getting killed by the top all the time. And then the middle teams, which are the ones driving this, they really appreciate that they're the ones that are making this work because they're competitors and they're coming out to to do this every single time. And because they know, hey, a two and two matters or a three and two matters. It doesn't matter if you're just the last team standing. Like, you know, those are the teams that really deserve, you know, uh, just all of our gratitude because it's, you know, they're, they're the ones driving this. Yep. You don't want to see it like the, either of the two usual tournaments that like the waves get out to in MAW, you don't, you don't want to see them in your pool play bracket. Cause you know, like you said, most, most likely, you know, they're not going to win the tournament. They're probably not even get to the final four where they can beat you and ruin your day. And, you know, set you up for bad things, you know, early, just like any of those teams, you know, dragons on this United Wiffle list, you know, they're, they're in the 300 winning percentage. You don't want to see them ever. No, no. You know, like there's, you know, there's, there's, there's so many. And like, I, I do agree that's that middle base and it's not like, yeah, it, it, I, I don't think it came off condescending, you know, I, I think it's, it, it's just it's it it really speaks to just how good and like these teams we've seen a couple of teams graduate from that middle base to maybe maybe even there's a tier between the really top end and the middle and we've seen a few teams graduate to that to where you know you you don't know in a year next year year after you know that they won't break through that again. And that's awesome. Yeah. And that, I think that's what keeps everyone playing. Like, like, yes, there's a lot of familiar teams on these lists year after year. That's, you know, winning at you with and winning elsewhere. And that top half is pretty solidified, but that's always going to be the case. There's plenty of teams that have broken through and that can break through and that, you know, um, you know, we didn't mention the Liffaholics. They're always a solid contender. You know, they're an over 500 team. And, you know, we talked about the Skull Crushers. It's just, there's just so much. You, and you look at a team like the Whiskey Ducks, who maybe have kind of found their roster now um, by adding the Can't Touch This Kids. And, you know, if they're back next year with that team, like that's a really good team. And it's just, that's what keeps, you know, that's what's exciting to me. Even if it ends up the top being so, somewhat, you know, homogenous, um, you know, teams are slowly making their way up. And when all is said and done, and when you, you know, I hope we could sit back, you know, after United with them all 10 and, you know, there's going to be a few of these teams that are in like the top five or six winning percentage that have maybe never made a final four, but they just have built this track record. And honestly, to me, that would be more impressive than anything else. Yeah. Not to, you know, I have no love for the Yankees or anything, but like, it is impressive that, you know, since you know 95 they've almost been a winning team and they have been a winning team ever were they winning yeah it was close just with just a couple of playoff misses like that type of consistency is it you know that's just hard to do and that's Mm kind of you know that that's what these teams are building up and that's awesome to see 
So you're saying the waves of the Yankees of wiffle ball? I'm well, I mean, I like the waves <laughs> a hell of a lot more than, you know, the Yankees. Yeah. The Yankees could use an all gas, no breaks, Nate Morse, you know, on their, you know, team to, you know, help them uh, get some life in the dugout. But uh, yes, yes. Let's go with the waves or the New York Yankees. All right. That's that's as good of a spot as anything to uh, to end this podcast. So, uh, yeah, so that's it for us for October, and it'll be it for us until January, at least on Holy Commutes. I I really want to do more wiffle ball stuff this off season. Um, we got a couple ideas in mind, including the history podcast that's been in the planning stages forever that we hope to get out there. So ho- hopefully, by saying this uh, publicly, people can bug me and we'll actually. Uh, start doing it this offseason but yeah so hopefully we'll have some podcasts before then on the drop um and then we'll be back in january with holy commute so thanks as always for listening and we'll uh see you sometime in the future